0: Welcome back to Unsolved Cases and Suspicious Faces. That's, that's Izzy. And that's Jackie. <laughs> we reversed it this time. Yeah, gotcha. You got me. So, how's your week been?
1: Good. I've been going to class. I've been. Oh, I sewed a shirt and some pants. Yep. That was great.
0: Actually, yeah. That's all the exciting things that's been happening in my life. (laughs) That's it. Well, I need you to sew me a shirt and some pants. you will be my personal Etsy this time.
1: For $20.
0: What? What? Uh, Okay. (laughs) uh we got the new dog she's settling in she's getting more used to being around us she's not very cuddly but she's really affectionate if that makes sense yeah i just i kind of think that her previous homes weren't very affectionate households yeah but she's warming up to us That's good. That's good. That's Um, very good. Ryan and I are going camping with some friends towards the end of the month and uh, we're gonna take her with us to see how she does because she's kind of scared of strangers and other dogs so I don't think she was socialized right? Probably not. So we're gonna slowly introduce her to new faces new new puppies see if we can slowly get her more comfortable. Yeah how old is she? She's seven. So it's gonna be.
1: Might be a little old for re socialization, but I'm not a dog expert. I don't know.
0: Right. We're just gonna try it, see if we can get her to warm up to anything or anybody. She warmed up to us okay. So I think people, she just needs to meet them and get to know them a little. That's so sweet. Yeah. She's a good girl. You sure you don't wanna rename her Remy? I'm positive. She's seven. (laughs) So I'm just we have, saying we have a dog Jesse a cat Jesse and then our friend human Jesse yeah I asked human Jesse if he wanted to move in and complete my descent into madness at this point we
1: <laughs> finished that a long time ago my friend
0: <laughs> yeah that's okay though so do you just want to jump right into murder or how are you feeling
1: not a ton's going on in my life right now so Mine maybe just- oh,
0: I do have a story to tell you so okay I started this new job right we've talked about that yeah i work i'm not gonna say where it's at because i don't want any surprises but at this particular place we don't really get a lot of the troublemakers oh good in there. I, I do feel bad because there are some homeless people that are downtown and they do try to come in and we have to kick them out but i mean at the end of the day we're a business and they have to pay for our services around 2 45, 3 in the morning we get this gentleman that comes in he comes up to the counter and I'm like do you have a reservation and he kind of glances at me doesn't acknowledge me doesn't say anything he screams that bastard stole my wallet runs outside I'm like this is a bad situation so I go to call security because we've got 24 hour security there thank god good he comes back in and he's like did you see and this is This is his words. These aren't very nice words, but he's like, did you see where that cripple went? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And he yells at me to call the police. And I'm like, "Okay." So I call the non-emergency number because somebody getting their wallet stolen is not normally something they even send a police officer out for. Yeah. So I go to I go to call the police and then I'm trying to ask him questions like what his name is, what happened. And he's not answering me. So I'm like, great. So I go to hand him the phone so he can talk to the police. And he just starts yelling at the operator, screaming about what happens. And then he stops answering the operator's questions completely and throws the phone back at me. That's weird. Yeah. So she's trying to get information for me to see if I can ask him. So I do. And he doesn't answer me at all. And he just fucks off back outside. So I'm like. no, that's really weird. Great. So. The security guy comes at this point, checks the cameras. So what happened is this guy, and this is what I pieced together from all the yelling, was at, the, was at another hotel casino with a guy with a cane and his girlfriend. The guy with the cane's girlfriend. So mm-hmm. this gentleman, just to clarify because that was confusing, was with a man with a cane and the man's girlfriend. So he said that he gave the girlfriend $500 to gamble with, and he and the man came to our hotel to book a room because the other places didn't have any so I was like great awesome okay and the man with a cane went to enter with him opened the door used the door to knock this guy over and then stole his wallet it's all on camera we caught it whatever
1: it really so, happened
0: yes but what? let me continue a little bit okay so this guy he i'm trying to think of the best way to say this in between screaming at me for the next hour he yells at me every five minutes about well why aren't the police here and i'm like i don't know i've called them twice they're on their way i can't make them get here faster he starts asking me for a free room and at this point i'm a little suspicious because he keeps throwing in way too much detail which is a sign that someone's fabricating a story
1: but you had it on camera
0: right but i still think it was staged that's my oh, personal opinion.
1: like he knew the guy and he's like hey dude we're gonna get our room for the night or something yeah
0: well he did know the guy because he they came together oh Um, but he keeps like yelling about the police yelling about hurting the people that stole his wallet and I'm like don't make threats in my lobby blah, blah blah and then in between he starts asking me for a free room he's like can you check me in I was like I understand your wallet got stolen but I absolutely have to have an ID and credit card to check you in because mm-hmm. if something happens and he were to go batshit and destroy the room. Which it sounds like he's already most of the way there. <laughs> yeah. I would have like we would be screwed if I didn't check mm-hmm. him in and I would 100% would be fired for just letting someone have our free room so I was like no I'm sorry we just have to wait for the police to get here and see what our next steps are there's nothing I can do to help you right now we just have to wait for the police and so he's like well I have this friend he tells me the friend's name he tells me where the friend works he says I have any names off like five different credit cards and he's like I have all these cards coming to my friend's house tomorrow can I pay you then and at that point I'm like wasn't your wallet just stolen there's no way that you called your banks already to order new cards so if you've got all these cards coming to your friend's house you didn't have a card to begin with to check in with and I can't take cash so at this point like everything that this guy is telling me is leading me to believe that he was just trying to get a room, and then he walks out, or he goes to to walk back outside to wait for the police, and he yells at me. Well, maybe I'm just gonna have to sleep on the streets again, and I'm like, you're not gonna guilt me into checking you in for free. It's not gonna yeah. happen. It's not worth your job. Sorry. So at about four in the morning he's yelling every five minutes. I can't get him to calm down. So I just start yelling back at him. I'm like, I don't oh know. I-, I yell because at this point, what am I going to do? He's not calming down and he's just yelling at me. So I'm like, I can't make the police get here any faster. You need to calm down. Then five minutes go by. He comes back up to the desk to yell at me again. And I just looked at him. I was like, sir, you have to stop yelling at me. You cannot sit there and yell at me anymore. You need to calm down and sit and wait for the police or you need to go. So he just... You could tell he wasn't expecting me to yell that at him. So he's just like, I appreciate your help. He grabbed his bags and that's the last I saw of him. And the police finally showed up 45 minutes later almost five in the morning. But I called my manager while this was going on when this started and I didn't hear back from her until like six in the morning. She's like, I'm, I never normally sleep through my phone. I don't know why I did. Are you OK? What happened? So I explained everything. and It was like he's been gone for like two hours now. So it, it ended up being OK. But that took up like two hours of my night while I'm trying to do my job which we were already really busy so running the audit and doing paperwork takes up a lot of time so I was like barely gonna get done on time anyway and then after this happened like 30 minutes later someone had the bright idea to light a bunch of candles and take a bath and set their fire alarm off in their room right
1: yeah did it like evacuate
0: anybody no it was just their room so they called and they're like hey this is what happened the fire alarm's going off can you send somebody up and I was like yeah I'll have our engineering set it off or um turn it off so the way fire alarms work especially for a hotel like this is the systems on the back end like you can't go into a room and just turn it off it's not how it works so
1: interesting I didn't know that
0: yeah because it's a whole system so like when I worked at the hotel previously our system was behind the front desk I don't know where it's at in this hotel but I know enough to know that it's like probably on the individual floor I send him up he starts working on it so five minutes later this lady calls back and she's like can you please send someone up like our alarm's still going off and I'm like yeah he's working on it it's not my fault you decided to take a bath and light a fuck ton of candles I didn't make you do that don't yell at me. You have to that you have to deal with these consequences. So that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, that's what you know. I can never work in the service industry. It's Not after the military. Right. I know some people do it, but I wouldn't be able to help myself.
0: <laughs> well, then something else happened. This kid, who's like twenty-one years old, comes to check in. He's got a bank stack of hundreds. Like that's ten thousand dollars in cash that I can see. He's holding on to it. And he wants to check in and he's like, can I pay with cash? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I We don't have a bank here and I I can only check you in with card. And he's like, OK, well, we can try these three. And he's got three different cards. All of them decline. And I'm like, well, this is a red flag. Why do you have a stack of cash but no money on your card? So yeah, I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I can't check you in without getting a card payment for the room. There's nothing I can do. Because he, he didn't even have a reservation. He was just walking in. So he goes to leave and about half an hour goes by and he comes back and he's like well I've got a friend with me who's only 18 which is below our check-in age you have to be 21 and he's like can she pay for the room and it be under my name and I was like At this point i was already getting like party vibes from him like they were gonna come in and just party and trash the room which happens kind of often so i was like "No, no no it's like five in the morning i'm not no i'm not dealing with this and then i was telling the person that came to replace me in the mornings about everything that happened in case they had to keep dealing with it and she's like you know it's funny you've only had four shifts here but everything that ever hardly ever happens has happened to you it's like great you gotta get it
1: all out the way first (laughs) well
0: I'm starting to think this kind of stuff happens all the time but the day people just don't know about it oh yeah if weird stuff is gonna happen it's probably gonna be in the early night it's gonna be at three in the morning when it's just me at the desk
1: yeah I meant early morning I don't know why I said early night (laughs) I'm losing it
0: But yeah, so I've been having a fun time at work. I actually still really enjoy it, even though...
1: I mean, it's interesting. Keeps you on your toes, right?
0: I'm not tired. (laughs) (laughs) That's the excitement that's happened for me. You know, more excitement than I'd like. But hey, why don't we uh, jump into some murder? like that not transition was kind of jarring but i'll roll (laughs) with it well i'm a jarring person so it's okay really tell me more okay no what i'm
1: gonna do is i'm going to tell you a story yes i know that's crazy but i'm going to tell you a story in two parts i will tell you that one is kind of slanted one way and the other news agencies lance it the other way. But it's interesting how different these two are. Okay. Her name was Ellen Greenberg. Uh, she was a 27-year-old teacher born in New York and was teaching first grade in a school in Philadelphia. I just thought that was kind of sad. First grade and kindergarten teachers are treasures, okay?
0: They're treasures. They deserve the world and they do not deserve to be
1: murdered. Exactly. So it's January 26, 2011. There's actually a blizzard this day, which kind of made traffic slow. And everything, when it snows that bad, everything just kind of stops. <laughs> Remember Nebraska with those big storms we would get? The school she taught at was Juanita Park Academy. Her class was dismissed early due to the storm. So she went to her apartment that she shared with her then-fiancé, Samuel Goldberg, who's twenty eight. So a year older than her. Gotcha. They were together in their sixth floor apartment until 4.45 p.m. when he decided to go down and use the gym, also in the apartment complex. About half an hour later, he finished his workout. So he went to go back to his room, but he found himself locked out. He said that the apartment swing bar lock was engaged from the inside. And I know that's hard for most people to, I say most people, I mean me. (laughs) I had no idea what they were talking about. But you know how uh, some hotel rooms or um, public bathrooms will have the lock where it looks like a little rod on one side and the Mm. other part is like a hinge that swings over the hook part so you can't open the door all the way.
0: It's like one of those,
1: it's like one of those, the chains that were used in like the 80s and the 90s, the door chains, but it's metal. Chains are metal. I'm bad at explaining. It's a
0: metal bar instead of a chain. It's a metal
1: bar. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Okay. He said that the swing bar lock was engaged, so he couldn't open the door. He starts banging on the door, but she doesn't answer, so he tries to text her the next twenty two minutes. He sends um some different messages. The first one is "Hello, mm-hmm. then open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello. I- you better have an excuse. What the fuck?" And then A-H-H-H, which I'm assuming is him going, ah, yeah. And the next one is you have no idea, which to me is like, I know being locked out of your place is threatening or is getting locked out of your apartment is frustrating, But that sounds like threatening.
0: I'm going to stop you right there. I'm pretty sure this is an exact text conversation between me and Ryan. (laughs) Like this sounds totally normal. Like if someone locked me out to the point where I couldn't get in my apartment, especially after work, I'd be like, bitch, open up or I'm going to punch you right in your face.
1: You wouldn't be worried about the person inside or would you just assume that they did it like maliciously?
0: I wouldn't assume they did it maliciously. I'd assume that like something they took happened. A shower or they something. took a shower and wanted to make sure they locked the door and just forgot to unlock it. Uh and then took a nap or something like that. I don't think I would automatically assume something bad happened. Especially mm-hmm. if you're in your late twenties and you're in pretty good health. I wouldn't assume that you were in any sort of peril or anything okay. right off the bat.
1: Okay. So maybe it's just frustration and not actually threatening. But I don't know.
0: I mean, haven't you out of frustration said like oh, I'm going to kill this person or I want to beat him up because I definitely he says, have.
1: you have no idea. Yeah, probably
0: because he's really And you better pissed. have an excuse.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could go both ways, I guess. I don't know. He says he goes down to the lobby and speaks with Phil Hanton. He was a security guard working at the apartment building that night. And he asked him to help him break the lock. But the guy tells him he's not going to do that because it's against policy. I'm pretty sure they don't want security guards or handymen going around busting in the people's rooms.
0: Right, and she could be fearful of that guy. So she could have put the bar down to protect herself. That makes sense. And you, I mean, at least in a hotel, like even if someone comes down and states, oh, I'm this person's spouse, like I still have to have them verify all the information and get permission before I can give them a key. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, good guy guard. Okay, so the fiance goes back upstairs And he forces open the door himself, which I don't really... It doesn't really explain how he does that, which is interesting. Something to keep in mind. He calls 911. At this point, it's 6.33 p.m. And he went down to the gym at 4.45. Just a reminder. He was instructed to start CPR because she was... Obviously, she didn't have a pulse. She was laying down on the ground. But then he notices a knife in her chest. He tells the dispatcher that... And then the dispatcher tells him to stop giving her CPR, obviously. But it was a 10-inch knife that was in her body, in her chest. And he, he just noticed it just happened to after.
0: notice it. Okay. <laughs> like, wait a second. Something's a little off here. Just, uh, just a little. Okay.
1: She was pronounced dead on the scene at 640. So he gets into the room at 33. I'm assuming the cops had time to get there or whatever and at 640. So what is that, 17 minutes later? Nope, seven. <laughs> murders are hard. Right, numbers are hard. Numbers I said murders. are hard. What am I saying?
0: Murders are also hard. I wouldn't
1: know about that. Okay. Uh-huh. The police go inside the apartment. They find no signs of an intruder or that she even tried to run away. She was found in the kitchen, like, right inside the front door, and the front half of her body was kind of propped up in the corner against the cabinet. Her legs were splayed out in front of her. She was holding, like, a bright white towel, so it hadn't been used to, like, mop up blood or anything. The police didn't see any defensive wounds on her. There was no blood spilled in any rooms other than the kitchen where she was found, the neighbors told them that they heard her fiancé banging on the door, but they didn't hear a sound of, like, a disturbance. And the snow on the balcony was undisturbed. So, like most apartments, especially those on the sixth floor, you have two entrances. You have the balcony, and you have the front door, obviously. It was snowing, and there was nothing on the balcony. Do you like so it? the balcony was completely undisturbed, which means the guy had to leave from the front door.
0: But the bar was down.
1: But the bar was down.
0: Hmm, okay.
1: When the police, I'm sure you know this, but for people who don't know this, when the police go to a scene, if it's a suicide, they treat it very differently than they
0: treat a homicide.
1: They're not as worried as evidence mm-hmm. um, and disturbing the crime scene in general.
0: Did they think this was a suicide? They thought it was a suicide. Okay. And they immediately
1: went inside, treating it as a suicide.
0: If you are going to commit suicide by stabbing yourself in the chest with a knife...
1: Oh, yeah, it gets better.
0: Oh, no. Okay.
1: Uh, the apartment door was locked until it was broken in by the fiancé. He stayed at the scene. The police said he was corop- cooperative. No signs of an intruder. Nothing. So then they do the autopsy. Okay. He, uh, he finds that she has 20 stab wounds. 10 on her neck and head. And then two wounds that went so deep that they went into her brain. I'm sorry. They found, they found no suicide note, but they did find more stab wounds to the chest other than the 20 and extra bruises in various stages of resolution. I'm assuming that's doctor speak for different levels of healing on the right side of her body.
0: So this sounds like maybe it was an abusive situation then?
1: Kind of. That's how it came out to me when I was reading it. Okay, so the autopsy gets all of these, like he looks at all of these stab wounds, he looks at the stuff to her brain, he looks at the bruises, and he thinks about it, and then the end he says, homicide. And that's Thank what God. her parents tell everybody who come to her funeral, and to her memorial is that it was ruled a homicide. But... <laughs>
0: Are you serious? However,
1: on the 29th, so two days later, a police book person said that despite the homicide ruling, authorities were leaning towards suicide and looking into mental issues that she might have had because a month or two before her death, she had begun to display a marked change in her demeanor. She became unsettled and anxious. And when they asked her what was wrong, she would only say that it was about her job. Her parents said she thought she just felt overwhelmed. So a marked change in her behavior. I don't want to say it's because of abuse, but something big was going on in her life that was changing her personality, which is normally something big. Like abuse. So so her parents ask her to see a psychologist. She goes, she talks to him, and she describes her as having severe anxiety and gives her anti anti anxiety medication that can both maybe cause suicidal throats. Suicidal Suicidal throats. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. suicidal thoughts and behavior as side effects oh
0: boy well I mean that yep. my doctor definitely told me that when I got on mine is that to watch out and if I notice any sort of suicidal thoughts to know it's the medication and not me Does well for sense? most of
1: those things they say because a lot of anti-anxiety medication is also antidepressants so they say if you're suicidal or you maybe have been thinking about it when you're depressed a lot of times you lose sorry. energy sorry
0: one second all right i'm sorry please continue
1: it's okay a lot of the times when you're depressed you can be very um lethargic and not have a lot of energy so when you start getting treatment for that and you start getting energy back there's like an overlap of time where you have energy but you still might be having those suicidal thoughts or ideations and now suddenly you feel like you can actually do it which is like a
0: terrible combo
1: it is that's why they say it's so dangerous and the like that first little bit when you first start taking the medication is so important to like check yourself for that she was going to this psychiatrist until pretty much up until her death she sends ellen sends out her save the date cards for her wedding and people got them four days before her death that's really sad so those investigators took that information about the medication and took it and said they it strengthened the case that said that she had killed herself they took it back to the coroner to the medical examiner and they reclassified the case as a suicide even with the 20 plus stab wounds. I okay. think there was like 27 in total.
0: Okay, but that I don't...
1: It didn't make sense to her parents. So her parents hire more people. They they hire, they consult uh, Cyril H-W-E-C-H-T. I don't know how to say that. A forensic pathologist who looks at all the information and says that it was strongly suspicious of homicide. Obviously, because she had stab wounds to the back of her neck and to the back of her head, including the ones
0: that go inside her brain. Which doesn't sound like suicide.
1: No, not at all. So another expert that was consulted by the family says the stab wound that went into the brain would lead Ellen to have severe pain, cranial nerve dysfunction, and traumatic brain signs as well as numbness, tingling, and irregular heartbeat, which directly goes against a neuropathologist who was originally working the case who said that she examined the spinal cord and concluded that there is no defect of the spinal cord. So basically, this neuropathologist was saying even with all these wounds, she still would have been able to continue to stab herself. I'm sorry? Yes, which is why they went with suicide again. They reclassified it because this expert and others were saying, well... If somebody really wanted to, they could stab themselves 27 times.
0: Okay, there's so many other ways to do that, though. Yeah, I I know. I know that people do self-harm, so I'm not trying to say that no one would do this or anything. It just seems very unlikely.
1: Yes. So I told you I was going to talk to you about a couple different articles. All these sites have like a list of different articles where they keep up with this case because it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. The more the doctors and experts talk about it, because there's no way it was a suicide. Anyway, continuing. (laughs) This one, it says... Police found no signs of an intruder that she, or that she tried to flee, like we said before. No blood spilled beyond the kitchen. The knife was tested later, and it only showed her DNA. And the lot of thing about with the stabbings is if someone stabs you, unless there's like a big hilt at the bottom of the knife, which... There isn't in kitchen knives. The knife hits something solid inside your body like a bone. The knife stops, but your hand will keep going. And a lot of people who stab other people get cut on their hands and bleed all over the body in the crime scene, which is why they normally find the guy's DNA at the crime scene. So this night only had her DNA. The apartments had surveillance cameras at the main entrance, but none in the hallway leading up to the apartment. There's that thing about the neighbor said about not hearing a disturbance, which you'd think that you would hear. Also that there was no snow disturbed on the balcony. So that one kind of more points towards the suicide because there's not a big struggle. She stays in the same area. But this last one is very heavily skewed. It talks about the text messages, obviously, the fiancé sends to her while she's inside. And this one has some more information about the security guard. He keeps going to him several times, asking the security guard to go upstairs with him. So not once. A few times, which the guy thought that was really weird. The fiance says the security guard was with him when he broke down the door, but the guard tells the police that he didn't leave his post. So he's not there when the guy broke down the door. Another thing the expert says was the security guard said the thing he noticed was odd was that the fiance kept telling him he was at the gym, but he wasn't wearing gym shoes, like sneakers. He was wearing regular boots. No. This article also points out by the time Sam, the fiancé, enters the apartment and calls 911 at 6.33 p.m., which was an hour since he started trying to contact his fiancé, which is also quite a bit of time. Before he calls 911, he calls his parents and his uncle, who is an attorney, And they started going to the crime scene almost before emergency services. His father is the one who calls her parents, not the fiance.
0: Very suspicious.
1: The expert even listened to the 911 call the fiance made that evening. And he says, quote, there's no playbook on how you're supposed to react when you find something like this. But I was very struck at the tone. He kept saying, oh my God, oh my God, my fiance, there's blood. But he was completely calm. And the dispatcher keeps asking him to describe what's happening and he's spending all his time telling them how he'd been to the gym and come back. And the Um, dispatcher tells him you're going to have to start performing CPR and she says, I'll walk you through it. He says, do I have to? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. And then... He says the same thing that we said about the knife. It's like two or three minutes in that he notices that she has a knife in her chest. You know, you're right there next to the body and it's not like a little paring knife. It's a butcher's knife. It was 10 inches long. We said that before. The expert says the fiance tells the dispatcher that she must have fallen on it. He how, was talking. How? Oh.
0: How does someone... Okay, never mind. He
1: was taken from the scene in Hancock. Good. But he wouldn't speak without a lawyer. Of course. The forensic neuropathologist that the parents hired finds evidence of strangulation and says there were multiple bruises over the body, some of which were fresh, many of which were older, and then said that he thought the death
0: was homicide. It definitely sounds that way to me, but I'm not an expert, so...
1: The other expert we already talked about, Cyril H. Wetched. I've... I feel really bad. I'm sorry, Mr. Wetch. I wetched. W-E-C-H-T. He said suicide victims rarely stab themselves multiple times or through their
0: clothing as Ellen had been. Definitely doesn't sound like suicide.
1: I think it's very hard to understand the reasoning why the police went back on the original homicide verdict. To a suicide one. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I have more. This is getting really kind of into the weeds of the evidence here, but I find it so interesting. So there is blood everywhere, but she was seated on the floor, her back up. So she's kind of sitting down, but she had a streak of blood running from her nose to her ear. So she was moved. Ugh. Of course. She also she had blood spatter on the toes of her boots. And the experts are saying that it looks like she was standing when some of the wounds were inflicted. Because the the little the little amount of blood at the scene it says all the investigators with whom this company spoke with (laughs) so i don't know how many were there but they were saying there's surprisingly little blood
0: at the scene causing them to wonder if there had been a cleanup i mean suicide victims don't clean up after themselves
1: right there was only one missing screw on that lock i was talking to you about the hinge one and this one's actually her dad saying that there's no way that somebody kicks in the door on this lock and the only thing that happens is a screw's missing. Like, it wasn't even bent or anything. Yeah, there's there's no way
0: that doesn't happen.
1: It's very interesting. I think that's pretty much it. I could keep talking about this case for probably another hour because it just goes everything is the officials going suicide and everybody else going, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? (laughs) And them going, like, covering their ears going, nope, suicide. La, la,
0: la, la, suicide, la,
1: la, la. Yeah, oh, also, I do want to say, I do want to say, Say that the day after her death, Sam, the fiance's uncle and cousin's go cousin, singular, go to the apartment and tell the security guard they were going to get him a suit for the funeral. But they leave with the fiance's laptop, Ellen's laptop, her work laptop, and her cell phone. Doesn't sound exactly like a suit. The police took them back two days after. But that means the chain of evidence was broken. So nothing that they found in them can ever be admissible in court.
0: Come on. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where I want to leave it on. The police right now are still saying that it's a suicide. Let me actually tell you all my sources because there were a few of them. <laughs> okay. The first one, the name of the article is, Authorities say the cause of a Philadelphia teacher's death was suicide, but her parents say it was murder by Michael ropello cbs news the next one is from the philadelphia inquirer it's a locked room mystery by stephanie farr and the last one is from dailymail.com it's by laura collins chief investigative reporter for dailymail.com gotcha
0: so it sounds like a lot of people think that this is not a uh, a suicide
1: yeah actually this last article was written the 21st of may 2020 and this murder happened if you remember back in 2011 people are still talking about this people are noticing that it doesn't line up and people it sounds like are pretty pissed about it. I hope The they fact that it was it. labeled a suicide. I hope so too. I hope so too. I feel like it should make everybody mad a little
0: bit. Like where's the justice? Where's the truth? I mean somebody that's committing suicide I don't think can stab themselves in the back of the head. And give themselves over 20 stab wounds.
1: It's not just she stabbed herself in the back of the head. It's she stabbed herself in the back of the head hard enough for it to penetrate her school and enter her brain and she didn't
0: do that just once she did that two times yeah that doesn't sound quite right to me the blood (sighs) spatter doesn't sound right the way that the blood pool doesn't sound right i think this needs to be reinvestigated
1: i'm really sorry if that took a while but i kind of got mad about it (laughs) (laughs) when i was talking about it i'm like and look at this piece and this piece of evidence and this doesn't add up but it's true (laughs) it's true doesn't add up
0: Hi everyone, it's Izzy here. And if you didn't know, I'm the one of us that's responsible for editing and uploading our podcast. And I just wanted to let you know about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And just to clarify, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I like to use it because for me, it just makes everything so simple and easy. And it is the best program that I have found to help upload and find sponsorships. And it automatically distributes it for me. There is literally nothing that I have to do in order to get my podcast Onto all of the listening sites so download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started you can record it right from the app right from your phone anywhere it's convenient it's easy and best of all it's free all right well thank you for your story jackie mine is not quite as long it's kind of a short one I was really tired of talking after last week's. <laughs> <laughs> I thought
1: your story last week was great.
0: Thank you. I
1: I really liked the uh, guy who read the letters. I could tell he was really passionate about it. You if don't... somebody had come up to me and said those words to me on the street, I uh, probably would have <laughs> died. <laughs> I'll let him know that
0: you think he's creepy.
1: I would have cried a little bit at the very least. <laughs> <end. laughs> It was good.
0: He actually, he's one of my really good friends, and he actually was in London with his family, and they went on a walking tour of the Jack the Ripper sites. That sounds so cool. Yeah, he was able to talk to me a little about the case and stuff, so that was pretty cool. Dude, we have to go. (laughs) We do. Right now. (laughs) Maybe I'll see if he can come on next week and tell us about it.
1: Oh, I wanted to say maybe have it be like a uh, Patreon,
0: a Patreon thing, but maybe that'd be cool as like an extra. Yeah, we can do we can have him. Uh, we can do a conversation with him and put it on Patreon. That definitely sounds good. And then we'll give him like ten percent of everything we've made. So. No, we won't. You shut your mouth. <laughs> All twenty cents. Yeah. <laughs> can i mail it to you is that okay you're not supposed to send cash in the mail but
1: just send an envelope with a stamp i'm pretty sure the stamp is more than <laughs> so <it> works out <laughs> yeah Keep we do the this because we love
0: it okay <laughs> it's not for the money <laughs> well this is the murder of blair adams <sighs> hold on i would like to start doing it for the money so if you'd like to support us (laughs) please go to patreon.com slash ucsf podcast (laughs) anyway this is the murder of blair adams so there's not a lot of detail about his murder that's why it's a mystery there are some suspicious circumstances leading up to it so i'd like to just kind of tell you everything we know and then we can discuss theories Blair Adams was a foreman with a construction company in Surrey, British Columbia. People that were close to Blair said he enjoyed his job. In the summer of 1996, Blair's mother, Sandra Edwards, said that his demeanor began to change. She said, and this is a quote, Something was obviously very much the matter. He hadn't been sleeping well. Something was wrong. I asked him numerous times what was wrong, and he said, I don't think I should tell you about it. And to this day, I don't know what it is. That's weird. Mm-hmm. He's hiding something. He's hiding something. Everyone that was around him described him as happy, friendly, and optimistic. The general cheerful outlook was slowly replaced with mood swings and anxiety. These mood swings were described as frequent and wild. Uh,
1: same. You know, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times schizophrenia doesn't hit in men until, like, they're actually finished their brains finished developing yeah it's mid to (laughs) late 20s yes Mm -hmm. isn't that weird maybe that's
0: yeah definitely it uh it that's one of the theories but we'll get to that in just a second oh i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's all good i'm listening i swear on july 5th 1996 Blair withdrew his savings and emptied his safety deposit box of more than six thousand dollars in cash, and thousands more in gold, platinum, and jewelry. Blair then used
1: him a foreman.
0: Yeah, a construction foreman. How
1: did he do? They make that kind of money. The construction
0: people make pretty good money. Yeah.
1: Oh really? Oh, mm-hmm. never mind. <laughs> I've never worked in construction, so I really have no
0: idea. What? You yeah, never I worked know. in construction? I don't believe that. <laughs>
1: I would look good in a tool belt, I must say, but
0: as of yet, no. Blair then tried to cross the Canada-U.S. border, but the border personnel were suspicious of the large amount of cash he carried and believed he was a drug trafficker, so they denied him entry. The following day, Blair did show back up to his job and asked for his check and quit. Oh. That afternoon, Blair purchased a $1,600 airline ticket to Germany for the following day. Just hours after purchasing the ticket, Blair went to a friend's house in a panic and stated that someone was trying to kill him. He asked his friend to take him over the border, but the friend wasn't able to do so. He probably didn't have a passport. Oh. Then on Tuesday, instead of going to Germany, Blair turned in his ticket, rented a car, and headed back to the border. This time, he was able to cross. He ended up in Seattle, where he purchased a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. Upon landing in Washington, D.C., Blair rented a car and drove to Knoxville, Tennessee, which is about 500 miles away. Interesting. I've never heard of anybody actually trying to get to Knoxville. I don't think that's where he was meaning to end up. Blair was spotted at a gas station in Knoxville, where he complained to the attendant that his car would not start. Uh, The attendant told him that he had the wrong keys. The car rental company was already closed for the day, so Blair was stuck in Knoxville until they opened in the morning.
1: The same car he had already driven?
0: Yeah, so I don't know what that means, but that's just what the gas station attendant told him.
1: That's weird.
0: I don't know. Maybe he grabbed like his personal keys and left the keys to the car in the car. Oh. Uh, S- something like that. Um, interesting. Blair was able to find a ride to a nearby hotel for the night. An employee at the hotel said the best way to describe him would be paranoid. This is a quote. Um, he just was very nervous, agitated, expecting someone to come in on him even though there wasn't anybody there. I don't know who he was looking for, but he was waiting for someone to walk in for him. The hotel security camera showed that in an hour, Blair walked in and out of the lobby five times before paying for a room. The hotel's records show that Blair checked in at 7.37 p.m., pocketed the key for his room and left and never came back. Twelve hours later, Blair's body was discovered by construction workers. He was naked from the waist down. Lieutenant Jones recalled, quote, "His pants were removed in a way not like someone would take their own pants off, but in a way that someone else would remove your pants from you." His socks were turned inside out, his shoes were off and his shirt was ripped open. Oh, weird. Scattered around Blair's body was four thousand dollars in American, Canadian, and German currency. A fanny pack near him held another two thousand worth of gold, platinum, and jewelry, which he took from his safety deposit box.
1: Oh shit!
0: According well, to well,
1: it's uh, weird if somebody was actually really after him that they left all, the all money? that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: According to the autopsy report, Blair had sustained many cuts and abrasions. Police believe some of the wounds came from Blair trying to fend off his attacker. Blair was ultimately killed by a violent blow that ruptured his stomach. Uh, My sources for this were unsolved.com, Wikipedia, and historicmysteries.com. So I'd like to just kind of go into the theories about what happened. A lot of people think that the paranoia could stem from the onset of like schizophrenia or a personality disorder. But the fact that he was on the run, believed someone was trying to kill him, and then he actually got murdered, is a little too good to be a coincidence, I think.
1: Well, did they ever figure out how he actually died? Uh, yes. It said. Sorry, one second. Oh, did you say it already? I feel like such a jerk. Right I did. Now.
0: He was ultimately killed by a violent blow that ruptured his stomach.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see that really as something you could do. Here, so. and if it was
0: a, like if it wasn't if he wasn't being chased if someone wasn't actually trying to kill him and this is all a coincidence why would someone leave the money uh, yeah i think so even if he fell on the ground like he wouldn't take his pants off right i think that he saw something he shouldn't have seen and that he was getting threats about it which is why he started to get paranoid and have mood swings And then I think that it came to a head and he tried to flee, but was followed. That's my personal opinion, because I think that's the only thing that makes sense, because whoever did this wasn't doing it for money and uh, wasn't doing it for anything other than the sake of doing it, because he wasn't put out in such a way to send a message or anything like that. So I think that he was killed to silence him, because I think, honestly, he saw something he shouldn't have seen. And that's why he didn't want to tell his mom about it. So like the mob? Maybe. Or uh, maybe he saw a drug deal or something like that. I don't know. For somebody to
1: follow you over a border and halfway into another country. Yeah. It's got to be pretty. And funds? I don't know.
0: No, I'd it's agree. just weird. It, it is a very weird circumstance. And that's why it's uh like there's not a lot known about it. But it is just very strange. I think you're you're onto something, maybe about the mob or organized crime. Because okay, I've been watching Bones a lot, <laughs> and I just watched the episode where
1: the episode where they found the guy in the concrete, because the mob hid his body in concrete, and he was a building foreman. And I know real life cases of people throwing bodies in concrete. So yeah. I'm just
0: saying, I don't know. <laughs> No, I think you're. I, I think you're right. It. I still think that he saw, or overheard something he shouldn't have overheard. That's and, the only thing that makes. Sense. Yeah, and it that, has to be
1: a big group with mm-hmm. their own money because they're not. A drug dealer would have taken all that stuff in a
0: heartbeat. Yeah, definitely. Right? So it, yeah, so? it. I agree. I don't think this was about the money at all. It no no definitely not it had to be somebody that knew him and it had to be if it was just random it would have been about robbery or something like that like there's no way that all of his stuff would have just been left there the gold and the jewelry it wasn't well like the gold and the platinum were just like they weren't in jewelry form they were just gold and platinum you can't trace that so if you're worried about someone tracking it back to you you still could have taken stuff but nothing was unaccounted for and his strange behavior like it takes a lot for someone to just uproot themselves and flee to another country and then flee all the way across that other country yeah so i don't know i i just think this is a very interesting interesting death and unfortunately i don't think we're ever gonna really have answers if it That's was some. Kind of bad. yeah it's like
1: oh man it's one of those things that if they like ever find out what happened i would be first in line
0: (laughs) (laughs) first in line to read the newspaper go
1: online first in line to google it
0: yeah no doubt my fingers will be on fire uh well i guess the takeaway from this week is to uh watch out for knives if you're trying to give someone cpr don't give anybody cpr if they have a giant knife in their desk how about that's that's a good that's a good piece of takeaway If you like what we're doing here and you'd like to hear more, please follow us on Facebook at UCSF podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at USC, USCF podcast. Um, You can send any suggestions or your personal stories to UCF pod, UC Oh my God. USCF podcast at gmail.com. You
1: you know, if you had an associate, it might
0: make it a little easier. I hate (laughs) you. I've always hated you. (laughs) it's Uh, funny okay (laughs) (laughs) if you would like to hear more and you like what we're doing and you would like to have access to some bonus content and to support us um, and allow us to continue producing these episodes you can follow us on patreon.com slash ucsf podcast
1: bye (laughs) bye